I'm Jonathan Polevsky, and it's my pleasure to interview Manuel Barueco for these podcasts. I bet you a lot of people who listen to you are curious about your instruments. People are always curious about instruments. First off, I'll bet people wonder, how many guitars do you own? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I probably have about, uh, not that many, actually. I probably have about 10 guitars, which may sound like a lot of guitars, but for most players that I know, it's a small number. I mean, mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of concert players tend to have, you know, like easily, you know, 40, 50 guitars. I have about 10. I have a hard time getting rid of them, you know, and, and uh, or sometimes I've sold them to some of the students if they need one, you know. Uh, Do you think guitars get better with age like violins or not? I think it depends on the instrument. I think I think generally yes. In fact, I was thinking today that these guitars made with the uh, composite, you know, the, mm -hmm. uh, the sandwich top. Sure. And I've seen a couple of those that don't seem to develop well. This is something that I even think about with performers. Why do some develop and some don't? You know, the, I think with the guitar it also depends on who plays it. Some players will, will push the instrument in certain directions, and and some others will not challenge the instrument and, and will not grow. But I think generally, yes. Also, if I can say something, I mean, it used to be said for like a cedar top guitar would only last like 20 years or so. And that's not what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. I don't think that seems to be the case at all. Or that the old guitars, 19th century, that were not very good. And I've seen some really nice 19th century guitars, you know. Nevertheless, it's obviously not like the violin. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that is, it's a different... Uh... Do you have favorite makers? Yeah. Are you comfortable naming names? Well, why don't I just tell you what I've played? You'd be shocked how little I know about guitars. Because, I mean, I was student at Peabody when I, when I ran into the, this Robert Rock guitar that I've played for many, many, many years. It may actually have been my first guitar. The first guitar ever? I think so. Hmm. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Because w when I first started playing, uh, it was my sisters that uh, wanted to play the guitar. And there were a couple of guitars you know, that my mother brought into the house, and one of them may have been made for me, but it was a horrible instrument. Now, this is in the States? No, this is in Cuba. This is in Cuba. Yeah. So maybe that wasn't my guitar, but it was a horrible instrument. So mm -hmm. that, you know. Then when I started getting better, I had a cousin that had a Yamaha in Cuba, and she lent me the Yamaha to play. Then the conservatory had a guitar made from a local man that was making nice guitars, and they gave it for, for me to play. I went on to sort of had an accident with a the guitar. They had another one built, and they gave it to what me. What was the uh, accident with the guitar? I just bumped into something, okay. put a hole in it. <laughs> so they made one. So then we came to the U.S., and we, we were not allowed to bring anything. So I came without a guitar. So when I was in Miami, we were in Miami for less than a year. There was a man that I met there, Tony Arce was his name, and he lent me a guitar that I played while I was there. Remember, we came from Cuba without a cent. So when my, my family decided to move from Miami up north to New Jersey, this man obviously wanted his guitar back, so I had to give it back. So here I was in, in New Jersey without a guitar. And then I made Rey de la Torre, with whom I started for a little while, and he lent me one of his guitars. And that's the guitar that I had until I was a student here. And, and, uh, and I had heard that there was this man in Miami, Robert Rock, making this unbelievable guitar. So I went down there. Got a ride with actually my sister and a friend of, of hers, and we we went down and I and I still remember when I heard the guitar and I just thought it was the most beautiful sound I had heard. So I told Rock, you know, that I want to buy this guitar, and he said, "But I'll make you one." I said, "No, no, no, it's that guitar." Mm -hmm. So that was really it. So and you still have it? I still have the guitar. I still record most of the recordings with it. Mm -hmm. So because of that, and because I had a relationship with Robert Rock, I was not out looking for instruments. 
And many years later, you know, I run into Matthias Damon and I'm playing his guitars in concerts now, which is a sound that is not too dissimilar from the rock. But Matthias is building this incredibly powerful instrument. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I was given a, uh, a master class in, in Germany and a student was playing one of his guitars. So I would play something and the student would play something that was like a lot louder than I was playing. So I didn't like that. <laughs> so I met him and then he built me a guitar. And it's only been in recent times that I've become more of a... Uh, understand more what I want in an instrument, you know, because I honestly didn't know. There's a maker, Daniel Friedrich. I never heard a guitar of his that I didn't like. Mm. I've seen some house guitars that have been just really exquisite instruments. I've seen a couple of Ramirez that are really good as well. But I think that's a mark of happiness and good fortune that you haven't had this tortured soul search right. for an instrument. Because right. I've known so many musicians, not so much guitarists, but string players especially, who spend most of their career not having the instrument they want and looking yes. for it. So, so this, is a, this is actually a very happy story in many ways. Yeah, and, and what I did is, is I developed relationships with these people, with Matthias Diamond as well. So you know, every once in a while, he, you know, show me guitars if I wanted. And, and with Bob Rock, the same way, so... So I've been looking that way, you know. Well, so you basically are looking for a different guitar for recording and a different guitar for concerts. Well, I wasn't looking for it, but it's worked out that way. I think small differences in a big concert hall are going to be lost, and not so much in a recording. Now, the rock is really well-developed. It has a silky sound to it. It has this sustain, you know. And I think it's, it's better suited for the recording, while the other one is really like a concert like a wild horse, you know, mm -hmm. that, that guitar, you have, you have to control it. It has a big sound. And that's why I've done it that way. So it's like theater versus movies. If you're acting for the theater versus you're acting for the camera. I would say that it's more whether you're speaking into a microphone or talking in a theater. I mean, if you want to have the most beautiful sound possible, close up, you know, like the mi microphone, or if you have to project the sound in the theater. Or maybe that's what you meant. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what, yeah, I see it recorded. Yeah. So, so whether, whether it's a beautiful sound that can be closely captured or needs to be projected out there, yeah. Do students sometimes come to you with instruments that, are, that they're happy with that are just not working for them for some reason? Yes. Yeah, what do you say? I try to explain to them what it is that I'm hearing. I encourage them to try other instruments, to play with, other, with their friends, to try different guitars, to get feedback from other people. You can try to open their ears about sound. You can try to uh, to explain to them what it is you hear in sound and what you think that that particular instrument may be lacking. Or, or and uh, hopefully they will hear it. But sometimes, you know, it can also happen that they hear it but they like it. I had a case with one student that somebody who was doing a number of competitions, and I think who deserved to win. But I think what was really hurting the student was that, um, I'm trying to leave the gender out. Mm -hmm, that's a good really, idea, yeah. yeah. Uh, that this student, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a guitar that was hurting him or her. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it was a she. And, and actually, David Russell was here, and it was the same thing, and I kept telling her, look, it's not just me, it's also David, you know. It's, but sometimes I like a certain sound. and Or it just feels good. Even if it, even if it sounds right, it just feels good on the hands. Yeah, but if you're going to be playing for people, I mean, yeah, that's, no, that's I not agree. really the, uh, the issue. Yeah, I, that's I, not the issue yeah. if you're going to be a professional one. Yeah. Well, you were lucky. You were fortunate, and that is sort of what you 
wanted, maybe even I before I was you lucky. knew what you wanted. I was lucky because I didn't know what yeah, I wanted. Yeah, it fell I just, into your I, lap. I just, I just remember hearing that guitar and thinking it was the most beautiful sound mm -hmm. I had ever heard. I mean, the guitar has actually become kind of famous. A lot of people, you know, see it that way. I mean, it's a beautiful instrument, beautiful sounding instrument, you know. Also, part of the reason why I'm not taking it out so much is because it's, it's also getting older, you know. I mean, I don't know how much I want to take it out there through all the travel and all that. So I think, I think she deserves to be rested a little bit. Mm -hmm. Guitars have gender, yeah, unlike students. <laughs> <laughs> what do you look for in an instrument? I think there's certain things that, that are clear. I think we all are looking for. I mean, one thing is the uh, sustain of the instrument, how long the notes sound, and how even it is through the various registers. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And through the different strings. Also, even that, that, that all the strings sound like they're coming from the same instrument. You know, sometimes you find a guitar where, where there's one string that sounds like a different instrument. So you want that to be even. So that you sustain the duration of the sound. If you're a concert player, the power of the dynamics are, are, are very important. And I think last is the actual color of it, the, the sound of it. There, people are going to differ, you know, and what's a beautiful sound. Different. The way I think of the sound, I mean, I, I have rationalized it as, as a sound that has a nice distribution of overtones. For example, that, that old Segovia sound that, uh, that was considered beautiful, I think to our ears today, it sounds dull, I think. It's, I think it's like, you know, the high overtones. Although we're living in an era that seems to favor the high overtones, you know? And some of those sounds sometimes sound to me too bright. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the guitars and some of the more modern guitars to me, it's lacking in some of the, the bottom, you know? Well, a lot of times when we're listening to recordings, we're listening to a recording image, and that will determine how the guitar sounds, how especially how closely you mic'd it. Like sometimes you feel like you're so far inside the guitar, like like your head is inside the guitar, like you're getting your teeth flossed, you know, mm -hmm. by the strings practically. Like <laughs> it's right inside your head and it's right on top of you. Whereas what is nice in a guitar sound is to get a bit of the room sound, a bit of the ambience, to feel maybe not too far away, but definitely not too close. Yeah. Uh, and that takes away a lot of the squeaks and a lot of the whatever production noises that every player makes to one degree or another and yeah. and creates maybe an illusion, because recordings are an illusion, yeah. that maybe you are, you know, in a comfortable space with this uh, with this instrument. I don't yeah. know. You know, I saw, I saw a documentary one time with, uh, with Paul McCartney, and they were talking about his relationship with George Martin, you know, the mm -hmm. producer, with whom I got to play one time, actually. So I, I, so in this film, you know, Paul McCartney is saying that, that George Martin was like, well, how about if we use an oboe here? And McCartney goes, yeah, 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 an oboe. So what's an oboe? <laughs> <laughs> well, this, these are questions that come up. Like, I remember sometimes being asked, well, we're going to do an orchestral recording. Who's the right conductor for the repertoire? You go, oh, yeah, who's the right conductor? And then, damn, I never thought about that before, mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Or when, when I recorded some time ago, the, the um, producers said, well, what, what, what kind of sound do we want to give? And I said, yeah, yeah, what kind of sound? I'm thinking, I don't know. I never thought about this before. <laughs> well, now I'm getting old enough. I'm thinking about this. And it does depend on the repertoire. My, my idea is actually very similar to what you described, if not the same. And I, I, I mean, I envision the guitar to be, I don't know, about 12 feet away or so, mm -hmm. in a room with, with some, definitely some reverb in it. But definitely not like when you hear some of the old recordings with so much echo that you don't really hear, you don't really hear this, the sound of the instrument anymore. I think those were too much. My ideal guitar recording sound is like when they talk about how Divizé's music was, you know, playing in the bedroom of the king, an audience of one or two, you know, maybe three people who really matter. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I think recordings should sound like, ideally of the guitar.
You know, it should have that that ambience where you feel like somebody is basically performing for for you. That is yeah. maybe my my personal favorite. I agree. I agree. But again, the quality of the room and the sound of the room it's also you know, very important. You're recording in your basement now, half wine cellar, half basement, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have wood, you have glass, so you have very interesting surfaces in there. Yeah. Uh, tell me why you've uh, started doing this. Well, I mean, this is a big, huge subject. Mm -hmm. you know, the, whole, the whole recording industry is changing so much. And uh, some years ago, somebody from, actually from EMI, was telling me, you know, you should begin to record yourself. You know, because the way things are going, you know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. And I started doing that. I started doing that some years ago. And I just, whatever I was playing, I, I was recording. Now, mind you, I wish I had done this many years ago. Because, you know, I could kick myself. For example, there was a period of my life that I was playing all this music by Takemitsu and all that. And I wish I had recorded all that. And, and it was never put on a recording because the record company was not interested. If I had it now, I could put it out. It's a different world now. So the nice thing is to be able to record at home is, is that you can do it, you know, when you feel like it, when, when you want to do it. And if something doesn't go well, you can go back and fix it. It's really a lot more ideal than when you're recording, you know, with a company. Or usually when you, when you record with a company, usually not always. I mean, a certain day is set at a certain time in a certain place and you show up, whether you're ready or not, whether you feel like it or not. So there's a lot to be said for this. But I think you were talking about the bottles, weren't you? Uh, a, a, a little bit. The, well, it's an interesting juxtaposition why you chose that room. Well, because of the humidity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the humidity and the temperature, it seems to be not much suited for, for to keep the wines. And, and maybe the... I know it inspires me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think so. I, I think the results are going to be the same or better than if you had booked studio time somewhere. And that's what I think is so nice now, that you don't need a pressing company to produce the record, and you don't need a studio to record the record. And this yeah. this leads to some very thoughtful performances, I think, by people. I think that's the positive side of this. You know, that anybody now can make a recording, you know, it's within everybody's means now to do something like that. Now what happens is all this stuff going on out there and how can people tell really what is good? Any what schmuck isn't? can make a record now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so far, you know, we put out the first recording, which is a solo piazzola recording. And so far, actually, I've had a lot of comments about the sound quality. But talking about the sound of the guitar, where the guitar is. I mean, I think, I think I finally have come to the point in my life at this age that I think I know what I, what I would look for in a guitar. I mean, it takes a while. And that's also true for sound, because we're basically what we're talking about is sound. When we're talking about amplification, we're talking about recording it. It's all the same thing. The thing is, if you have a sound in your head and you look for it, and it's taking us a long time you know, to sit there and, and fool around with the mics, and you, know, and you keep going until you hear this and you say, that's the sound that I'm looking for. And that's not so easy to do at all. As you're working on these things, you, your ears get tired. And after a while, you don't yeah. know. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember a producer telling me that he, he only knows if the sound is right if the next day he still likes it. Mm. 